Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am Dr. Alicia Buetes. And I'm Jacob Sheckman. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world and talk to them about how their work is improving our daily lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation and that you learn something new. Today we are speaking to Ursula Stachowicz, a professor at the AGH University of Science and Technology. Professor Stachowicz graduated from the Delft University of Technology with a PhD in electrohydrodynamics of liquids to use electrospray as an on-demand deposition method, with research performed at Philips Research Laboratories in Eindhoven in the Netherlands. She conducted a postgraduate study at Queen Mary University of London and worked at a spin-out company called Nanoforce Technology. She accepted a faculty position at AGH University of Science and Technology in Krakow, Poland in 2014. Her group core themes are focused on electrospun polymer nanofibers and their interactions with cells for tissue engineering and liquids to collect water. She is also developing advanced 3D tomography protocols using focused ion beam and scanning electron microscopy for nanofibrous biomaterials and membranes. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. Welcome, Prof. Ursula Stachowicz, but we will call you Ula for the rest of this episode. Before we start, I just wanted to say thank you so much for granting me a time to speak to, to you about all your work. I appreciate it so much. No worries, no worries. I, I think you're doing a great job um, on uh, on. On the science podcast, that's that's really nice. Actually, I feel I feel like um, uh, special to be selected uh, to be in your podcast. I have to tell you, I'm I feel extremely excited about this talk because I have been checking out um, this the work that you've been focusing on, and it's uh, extremely you know I'm passionate about that stuff, and it's the type of work that I'm interested in. Um, just to tell the listeners more about you. Um, so you are from Poland, but you've actually also worked in London before. Uh, yes, I did. I, I did almost a six-year a six-year postdoc um, at Queen Mary University of London. Uh, so actually, uh, it's a place where I started my adventure with uh, polymers and uh, polymer nanofibers, and actually with electrospinning. Okay. And then uh, almost six years ago, I, I moved uh, to Poland to take a lectureship position and I started building my own group um, and, and we got some funding. So we started to develop new things. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, the, the, your group looks amazing. The focus that you have. Um, I was extremely interested in the core themes of your of your group, the the focus on the electrospun polymer nanofibers, and you also tend to use that for interactions with cells, for tissue engineering, and the liquid to collect water. That was very interesting for me to see, and uh, we we are going to discuss two of those um, uh, articles that you have been working on in regards to those two topics. I, I think a lot of people find... Uh, they don't really realize that polymers is all around us and it's actually improving our daily lives in such a big way. And it, polymers especially uh, is in every field. It's literally, you can find it oh, as a key Yeah, you cannot survive it's, without them. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's very... So, uh, yeah, so I think that's just a very interesting thing that most of our listeners are finding out while they're listening to these episodes. 
Um, Prof. Ula, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Can I please first jump into this question? Um, the the article that you discuss, uh, they they work with fog water collectors. Now, um, can you please just tell us, the listeners, what fog water collectors is before we move on into this um, the further questions, just to establish what that is and what that is for. Uh, hello, everyone, and thank you, Alicia, for inviting me uh, for this very, very interesting podcast. So let's start with the folk collectors uh, that you've been asking. So what are the folk collectors? Um, actually, folk collectors are the large polymer meshes. Uh, they can be like 40, 50 me- uh, square meters. Um, they, they are exposed to the light wind and... Uh, misty foggy weather so usually they are placed at the coast uh, or also uh, in the mountains area with the foggy uh, let's say weather and and the idea is that uh, the fog is pushed uh, through this mesh uh, and the little tiny droplets they stay on the on the surface of these meshes which are built of polymer fibers uh, and the thing uh, is that uh, actually there is necessarily some wind that actually push this fog because there are a few processes that, that are used in this type of, let's say, uh, water harvesting technologies. One is that the fog is pushed, but another uh, that's been using for from ancient times is the condensation process. So it's using the uh, temperature difference between cold and hot weather. So, for example, uh, on the desert, uh, between day and night, there's a huge temperature difference. And that's been using for the collecting water, and that's been inspiration from the cacti or nabi beetle. Um, a lot of work has been done based on this technology. But fog collectors are the meshes that actually needs to um, have little wind that it's pushing the fog through and the what droplets are collected uh, you with this technology uh, you can support the local environment with the water that of course depending on the region it can be drinkable very clean water but you have to keep in mind that fog actually carries a lot of um, let's say pollution okay uh, but this water can be used in the agriculture uh, and um yeah, and for irrigation Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, it, it, this kind of mesh is like 40, 50 square meters. They, um, they can collect, um, 150 liters per day, even more. But also that depends on weather, <laughs> uh, on type of, uh, of, uh, uh, of the climate that's around uh, where the meshes are placed. So, um, so this is traditional. They commercially available. There are a few companies providing these meshes, and they. This is not like um, huge money, uh, large commercial business, because this is a business actually to support very poor people and the regions yes. with uh, water problem. Okay, so this is not technology that you can earn a lot of money. Let's say. Yes, uh, but it's yeah. technology that um, that supports uh, a lot of families with yeah with water. Wow, that's amazing. So um, it's more for like small communities that um, requires. Yes, uh, yeah. So it's water. exactly uh, how how it started to develop, and uh, and this technology uh, it's using the standard meshes. Uh, let's say they have. Uh, m- let's say hollows around a few centimeters in diameter 
Um, and in case what uh, my group, research group, uh, uh, is doing uh, is producing uh, this electrospun fibers, electrospinning oh, yes. technology. Uh, it's a technology where you have polymer solution. So it means it's the same way how you dissolve sugar in water. So you put the plastic, but in another solvent and you create a polymer solution. Yes. And this polymer, yeah. Before we go on, that's where I want to get to. But I do realize we mentioned Janus. Is it Janus fibers? Am I saying Janus it fibers. Janus fibers, I think. This is from the guy who developed them. This is actually a um, uh, technology that combines uh, two materials with hydrophobic and hydrophilic properties. And, yes. and with hydro is with like with water. Hydrophobic is something doesn't like water. Hydrophilic actually is something that likes water. Uh, right. So uh, how you define that? You define that basically by measuring contact angle, water contact angle. So for hydrophobic, usually you have uh, contact angles above 90. For hydrophilic, you have contact angles below 90. So mm. it means that in a, on hydrophilic, water actually is um, is in the large contact with the surface. So it's, uh, it's wetting the whole surface, let's say. Yes. For hydrophobic, the, there is a minimum contact of the, of the water droplet with the surface. Yeah, but so actually in terms like the water and it's yes kind of yes trying to yes. minimize the contact with it Right. And often, in often, this kind of technology is used um, in fog collectors because um, because it's combination of hydrophobic and hydrophilic that actually allows um, collecting water. Okay, uh, because you want something that drags the water into the surface because you want to collect a lot of droplets, but you mm -hmm. also want to have a mechanism that allows, let's say, sliding or rolling of the droplets uh, to the tongue to the spout uh, on on the fog collectors. Yeah. Uh, so you need combination of both um, mm. because you don't want water to stuck in the mesh where you collect your water. Uh, because when it's stuck there, you cannot collect any new uh, droplets. It's blocking the system. And, oh, um, yes. and, yeah, and that's, that's how you reduce the efficiency uh, of that. And, uh, and that's how tricky it is to combine both hydrophobic and hydrophilic actually to achieve high efficiency collecting water from fog. So, uh, so you went on to develop these fibers, um, but these fibers had a very specific, like interesting shape. Um, like the gutter shape. And uh, I just want to know, uh, could you tell the listeners more about the morphology of these fibers and why and how you managed to do that? Uh, actually, in, in case of, of uh, this fiber, uh, we use electrospinning uh, in the using kind of side nozzle. So it means like there is not an individual needle, which is traditionally in electrospinning. But you have two needles next to each other uh, connected, and you you push through the needles two different polymers. Uh, you have to make sure that they are compatible in terms of the solvents uh, that were used to dissolve these polymers. Um, and by controlling the flow rate and the applied voltage, you're actually able to uh, to get this uh, kind of gutter shape. Uh, um, shape yeah. of fibers and that you also play a lot with uh, viscosity of the of the polymer solution because that also uh, gives you control on the diameter let's say and also shapes of uh, fibers 
Yeah, it must have taken you some time. Did you get it right the first time? Actually, that <laughs> was uh, that was developed. Um, my student Joanna, who is the first author of this paper, she visited the group of Sima Agarwal in Beirut University in Germany. And that's uh, because um, uh, Sima has a lot of expertise in the side nozzle electrospraining. So we got a lot of help from her and oh, from nice. her group. Um, and uh, actually that was, um, that was her PhD student at the time. Now he's a postdoc, Jan, who's in China. Uh, and they work together to actually develop this this gutter shape. So that oh. that I have to I have to say that we got a lot of help from international <laughs> collaboration. So um, which polymers did you? So you you used uh, polystyrene and cellulose acetate, right? For the Janus fibers. Yes, yes. For, polystyrene. Yeah. Yes, polystyrene is a typical hydrophobic uh, polymer, yes. and cellulose acetate itself is a really hydrophilic. So that was are that these, was the. Are these the only reasons why you use them? The, the the only reason why you selected these polymers, or were there other characteristics that were interesting or useful? Uh, yes, actually, the main was the wetting. The other was solvent com uh, biocompatibility uh, in yes. terms of the spinning, so to make the process a little bit easier. Uh, another thing was um, we wanted to use cellulose acetate as a biodegradable material, uh, but of course polystyrene is not, but it's a recyclable material. Of course, combination of both materials makes things a little bit more difficult. Mm, yeah okay now that's interesting yeah because uh well from my experience it's you know cellulose there's all these types of solvents that you can use but for cellulose it's sometimes limited you know so i was wondering like because um it might be difficult to you know find a good solution for cellulose and to actually manage to spin electrospin that combined with polystyrene that sounds like a a, quite a challenge on its own, but that you actually managed to make them miscible or like, you know, to get them to spin and, and behave as electrospun fibers is actually very interesting. And uh, that's, you know, that's well my done. PhD student, Joanna. She is <laughs> well excellent. So, so it wasn't um, me. I cannot take credit. <laughs> I, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of questions around that because um, you actually answered one of the questions that I was going to ask about the reusability of this um, uh, Janus fibers, like because uh, cellulose. When you see cellulose, you, you know it's a biodegradable natural polymer. Um, but combined with polystyrene, it kind of almost you know, feels a little contradicting. But yes. at least we know polymer uh, polystyrene is reusable. Ugh. Yeah, reusable, I guess, or recyclable. So um, yeah, you can recycle. You can recycle yeah. polystyrene. But everything when you start mixing polymers, it's with recycling or biodegradability of any polymers. Yes, that's becoming yes. a problematic. Yeah, you you, you think that yeah, and and that's yeah. the main uh, problem with textiles, for example, recycling. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it yeah. Is so I know it's thing. not perfect <laughs> what we have no. done. But you <laughs> yeah. see, almost if it's already put to a use like this, if it can be reused just as it is in the form that it is, that's Yeah, that's even better. Enough. Yeah, then yeah. it's a very good point, Alicia. I think it's even better than trying to recycle or uh, it's um, it's taking a lot of energy and supplies and other things, of course. Yes. And, uh, and you so it's a gain. Need, 
a fog yeah. water collector is always going to be a necessi necessity for that. So that's already good enough, I think. Um, so how do these fibers uh, compare to other commercial meshes that you've mentioned earlier um, that has been in use now? How do they compare in terms of the quality of uh, water collection and so on? So uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to um, say to compare actually because uh, what we have done we um, we do this on the lab scale so we control oh, yes. let's say environment and uh, so we can say okay in this environment uh, of course the efficiency might be yeah two hundred three hundred percent higher but of course it's a different case uh, when you when you do a field studies okay that's something that um we hope to do with the next projects but uh, at the moment i cannot say but what we have done um from interesting point of view we combine existing uh, russian mesh for example that's um, a base of polyethylene fibers we can uh, actually deposit nanofibers on that and what we what we do in this way, uh, we change the surface properties, but we also uh, change the openings, uh, um, okay. let's say the space between fibers. It Almost means like that... Porosity of the... Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, so I mean, because porosity is something that you talk about volume. And yes. here uh, it's the, let's say, openings, the pore size uh, might be not correlated sometimes with the porosity. That's why I, I yeah, say this openings. Yes. yes. And, and and that's tricky because then you can actually uh, capture a smaller fraction or smaller droplets because fog consists of different sizes of droplets. And when you even even with you say smaller droplets, you can actually collect more. Uh, and and usually the, the the traditional meshes are hydrophobic, and if you add something hydrophilic, you can increase their efficiency. Mm -hmm. So even with existing technology, but you can improve adding um, the nanofibers technology uh, to them, to existing technology in a simple way, and you can already increase the eff their efficiency. All oh, right. Wow. That sounds very promising. I'm looking forward to actually seeing if it, like, if you, one day when you try it in a commercial type of setting, the larger scale, if, you know, I wish. Like that. <laughs> that would be so cool. It's it's very simple technology and and, and that's the problem because uh, you cannot make it very high t high tech. I mean, what you try yeah. to do, you try to support local people uh, with uh, let's say no high education. So that has to be in the basic way so everyone can operate it exactly. and easy to clean. So it means you, if if it's not complicated, if it's simple, usually you cannot earn too many. Too much money yeah. because of uh, you don't want to have any uh, let's say servicing additional costing but it's yeah. something that uh, people in the community should take care of themselves that's true but you know what now that you've mentioned it i've, I've also um, thought about it that cellulose and even polystyrene they are very common very cheap uh, inexpensive types of polymers so that's also very beneficial if we if you can m manage to get that to a larger scale because uh, cellulose is one of the most abundant natural polymers in the world you know so and there's a lot of waste products that contain cellulose that you can maybe from, uh, take that from and use that for the f uh, fibers so yeah there's a lot of very interesting things going on there in that project. Um, for the next article, now this one has me very excited because I think a lot of people will associate with the issue at hand uh, carrying on in this article. 
It uh, is about bioengineered electrospun fibers to treat eczema, also known as atopic dermatitis. Now, there's a lot of people that have issues with this, maybe on a milder side, but um, yeah, I must say that uh, this topic really, uh, I find this very, very intriguing. Um, firstly, just for some people who do not know, can you please explain what atopic dermatitis is? So, so basically, um, the problem with atopic skin is that you have very dry skin, which is easy to irritate and uh, very often is um, related to allergies. Uh, so both of them go along quite well, uh, which is not helping. Okay, mm -hmm. and that uh, it um, it is shown uh, as a kind of redness on your skin, and and. Uh, and it happens very often on the young age of the newborns and, and, and uh, toddlers. And what they do, they scratch themselves. I, I say it because my daughter uh, really has that. And when they scratch, they, uh, they, they make uh, wounds, uh, which yes, they heal. Yes, yeah, scars and things like that. So then a typical way what happens, you have to keep the skin moisture. Uh, to treat it uh, because then it reduces redness but also it um, uh, and it stops scratching because it's not itchy yeah that's Shoot. that's that's the main problem yeah and um, well, so that kind of yeah that's my next question was uh, what causes this disease and what are the best treatments currently available to treat that so basically just moisturizing and making sure that your skin is always hydrated um, uh, yeah, because because if it's uh, it's very advanced uh, uh, atopic dermatitis, they use steroids, and and the problem is you cannot use them for a very long time, and this mm -hmm. is temporary yeah. solution. And steroids on, on little children is probably not the best yeah. solution. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so you develop skin patches that are used as treatment for this disease. Um, how how did you manage to manufacture these patches? Uh, so, uh, as you also mentioned at the beginning, uh, everything what I do in my group is around this uh, um, electrospan membranes or fibers. And the huge advantage of this when we when we think about an application is though that you have high surface area to the volume or, uh, rate or mass ratio. And, and when you think about this membrane, it has more than 90% porosity. So... You can put something in the membrane that will be releasing for, let's say, long time as a patch uh, for skin. Um, and it's able to be um, kind of treatment uh, for releasing this oil, for, for example, oil. That's what we try to use uh, for skin. So like a skin patches. All right. Um, uh, so the polymers that you used for the patches, uh, what type of polymers did you use? Was it like natural polymers? Uh, yes, we, we're trying now at the moment natural polymers, but usually we use biocompatible polymers from the medical oh, yes. point of view. So it means uh, we test them in vivo with the cell culture just to check if the, um, the, the, the cells respond in the, in the correct way to the polymers. Right. So it can be basically a PCL like polycaprolactan. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, we also can use uh, like nylon six, uh, which is already used, um, uh, an FDA approved polymer, uh, also polystyrene, which is typical for tissue culturing material. Uh, so we 
don't use really anything exciting uh, at the moment they're just the typical polymers that they use let's say for tissue engineering or regenerative medicine so we, oh, we started nice. with those yeah and they tried and tested so you know they won't have any strange effects on the skin um so how yeah the, the criteria you said is basically just to make sure that the skin doesn't react negatively towards the electrospun fibers and also it needs to be very uh, a very good carrier for oils and stuff like that so just to get to the oils just for anybody who's interested what oils did you use decide to test with for mm -hmm. uh, the, the treatment of the dermatitis um, uh, so uh, usually we use uh, uh, oils. Actually, we uh, we discuss this with dermatologists and allergologists uh, first, uh, like black cumin seeds, and that was evening uh, promise oil or borage uh, oil. This is typical oils that's been used um, to actually support moisture and um, having a good effect on 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 the atopic skin. So that's been used in the medicine for very long time. And they are commercially available. Uh, you can buy them in pharmacy shops by yourself, actually. And so you're able to do this kind of patches by yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's very interesting. So so you basically just test all the types of oils that are commercially available and that tend to be Not all. We choose, we choose uh, around six. Uh, that okay. was, was suggested by the um, medical doctors the for us. And yes. dermatologists, actually. And... And that's that's what we try to use because right. we are not the expert in oils, but we use uh, other experts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw there was primrose oil and stuff like that also yes. in the article. Yes. And everybody will probably resonate with primrose oil by now. <laughs> There's so yeah, many yeah, trends. Yes, and those oils are safe. You can eat them, yeah, and there's yes, nothing going to happen. So even if uh, your kid starts to lick the skin, nothing's going to happen. That's very true. So it's also safe. Um, so, uh, yeah, how did you test for the effect effectiveness of these patches uh, to carry and distribute the oil onto the skin? Uh, so we try to incorporate oil uh, into this uh, electrospan patches, so into their porosity. We basically test ourselves this. So we oh. put them on the skin and we have a commercially available uh, equipment for measuring skin moisture. So, for example, we measure skin moisture before the test and after the test. Uh, okay. We are also able to weight uh, the, the patches and see how much oil was released over, over time. So we usually do this up to six hours um, because the idea is to use the patches like uh, something uh, that you put on your skin overnight um, um, uh, because that's, uh, that's good for kids. So yeah, with the moisturizer, you have to keep doing this many times during the days and yeah. kids hate that. That's true. Uh, they, so when they're yeah. actually lying down and they're sleeping, they're not like running around in the ground. And yeah, so when they sleep, yes. you can put the patch under their pajamas <laughs> and oh, you yes. don't have to put too much cream of that. You just put this patch with oil and they sleep and in the morning they uh, get up and there is nice moisture skin without, oh, let's say, redness, I hope. And that's, that's the time when the skin also do, does its thing and like do the restoration and reparative 
um, work yeah. in the evenings when you sleep. So it's the most useful oh, yeah. time to put it on anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. How did you taste the skin moisture after the patches were used? So how did you, did you just physically see a change in the skin or how did you taste for the, the difference in the moisture of the skin before and after treatment? So, uh, so um, to test uh, the skin moisture, we use commercial available equipment for that, uh, which actually allows to give you uh, how much percentage of water or moisture, let's say, it oh, yes. has. So it's, it's used in cosmetology. Uh, that this is standard equipment. It's certified. So that's, that's what we use. Um, All right. Okay. That's awesome. This so, is how we compare um, the results. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I have to ask this question, uh, are, are these patches reusable? Can they be washed and reused or are they disposed afterwards or, and recycled? I think uh, they are re reusable. So it means you can put oil again and again and again. You can refill it. I didn't even expect that answer. <laughs> I was like, that's not something that you see, you find commercially available in our everyday stores. But because because um, it's a different mechanism, because you can have them dry, and once you place them back in the box, let's say, or on the on the let's say foil or something, and you mm. can put again the oil, and if you reuse it on your on your clean skin, that's fine. Yeah, but yes. maybe now with the coronavirus, there will be some procedures that maybe you don't, but, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, if these fibers can withstand any treatment with GLA or um, some sort of fixative or you know ethanol, or whatever, then it can actually be reused again afterwards if it just yeah, you know gets yeah, yeah. treated with something and then. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't yeah. because it's not because it's not like wound healing when you once you get into the wound exactly. that it's uh, it's problematic. This is if you put on the clean skin mm. uh, because it's. Uh, uh, it's like cosmetic patch, so you can use it again. I, I think. Yeah, might be more difficult because depending if it's dry or wet, maybe handling might be different. But if you if you nicely put it on back on the foil and then put it again and add the oil, I think it should be uh, possible. Yeah, there's definitely a promise in that. So it's basically just the handling and the sterilization uh, section of it that can be uh, figured out. Um, so will these patches become available for clinical use or are they already in use somewhere besides your test subjects? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, um, we're still doing a lot of research on that and uh, doing different different um, types of things and different types of polymer and arrangements for controlling. Okay. So we're still working on that, but there are patches like cosmetic patches. Um, uh, the, they are already uh, on the market available electrospan collagen patches, which are dissolving wow. for your eye. This is fiber revolution from New Zealand. Uh, uh, they they, they uh, sell this, they're quite expensive, but they, they sell it. So it's available on the market. So I can imagine that our patches, they might be available one day too. I hope uh, so. That will be great. Um, so for any type of commercial um, available or for treatment specifically for dermatitis, um, do you know how your fiber might compare or compete with those um, type of treatments that are currently mm -hmm. available? So at the moment they have a label, uh, this night kind of uh, clothing that you put, but it's very uncomfortable for kids. And um, uh, and usually uh, 
it requires a lot of assistance to to get it done on on on, on the um, dress up the kit and uh, oh, yes. so so nothing like what we try to develop actually is on the market well it sounds like it's a very very necessary um product that needs to be uh, available on the commercial uh, beauty product line <laughs> so that actual that people can you know use this for their first their kids specifically and then um, young teenagers that have issues like this because it's um yeah you have all these products available but none of them really seem to focus specifically on the the real diseases the hard to treat ones and then if you have to treat those things, you have to go to a, like a professional and it costs a lot of money. And so yeah, hopefully your product might be changing those things soon in the future. Well, that that's all that, that uh, I've run through my questions very quickly. Oh, okay. And sorry, we went a little over the time. I told you 30 minutes and we're already at like uh, Ah, no, minutes. but I... <laughs> I haven't noticed. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it, w it was a blast to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for actually uh, sharing all this information with with us and telling us a bit more about the electrospun fibers uh, and improve the quality of our lives. I think people will really understand what the usefulness of this project can be. <laughs> Thank you I very really much. I really enjoy. Yeah, I really enjoy uh, talking with you. Thank you once again. Uh, Have a lovely evening. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>